Hello, I'm Matt, and this is Ghostthropology. Ghostthropology presents discussion of ghost stories and beliefs, and how we share ghost folklore, and importantly, how belief in the supernatural reflects who we are. While I don't know when or where or how you are listening, I hope it's dark outside, as that is the best time for ghost stories. Episode 56, The Ghostthropology Family's Experiences. So by the time that we're recording this episode, and certainly by the time it drops, we'll be back home. However, we've been traveling for most of the last week, which has interfered with our ability to put out a normal scripted or interview episode. So we're going to try something a little bit different this time around. We're going to talk about our house. Why our house? Well, the Ghostthropology family lives in a house that used to be a hospice facility and an elder care facility. (laughs) And because of that, a lot of potential buyers were put off and did not want to purchase the house. So we got it at a pretty good deal because, well, I'm an archaeologist, you know, by profession and have been around more than a few uh, sets of human remains. This did not scare us. But after moving in, we had some strange experiences, uh, and we're going to talk about those, talk about what we make of them, and uh, then we'll uh, let that be. Let us know what you think of this episode. If you enjoy it, we might do some more like this in the future. This does not replace the types of episodes I've been doing, but might be the occasional fun supplement. Incidentally, for anybody who's curious... We were in Portland, Oregon this last week, which, of course, was the subject of the uh, most recent standard episode of Ghost Topology. That is a coincidence. I just happened to have all the materials I needed to write that episode before we left. So there you go. All right. So I'm going to introduce you to the Ghost Topology family. I, of course, am Matt. My good lady wife slash producer, Kalia, is here. Hello. And our daughter, is also here. Hi! There's also Minka. Minka, our cat. Our cat is also very close to my microphone trying to get attention. She's not real happy that we were gone for as long as we were. So let's start things off. When we bought our house, it was in a bit of a weird state. It was structurally perfectly fine, but uh, we did have to do a lot of changes to things. For example, in the master bedroom, the toilet was out in the open. Why? I don't know. I'm sure there was a reason for it. I don't know what that reason was. We had to actually put it into the bathroom. And to be clear, yes, the toilet had its own little zone in the in the bedroom. And then the what would become our bathroom was just a very large shower with a slatted door that could be locked from the outside. So you could lock people into the shower while you use the toilet that was basically out in the open. Right. It was a weird house. It it was. And we made a lot of changes early on to get the house into a more normal house shape. There was also a sunroom that had a back door that was nailed shut. So you could get trapped out there. It had two doors, a sliding glass door and a normal wooden door. The wooden door was nailed shut. The sliding glass door worked just fine. Yeah, but the door that went into the rest of the house... Um, you could lock it from the outside from the room that was on the other side of the door, but you couldn't unlock it from inside the sunroom. 
So so once or twice I got myself locked in there. And more than once or twice you locked me in there. <laughs> on accident. On accident. <laughs> we also found in one of the closets a stack of mirrors. Oh yeah, all face down. Mm-hmm. That's that was that was reassuring. Reassuring yeah. to be sure. Oh, and in the garage there was for some reason a weird picture of a guy. We named him Frank. Yeah, the, the picture itself wasn't weird. It was a uh, just a picture of a man who I'd guess was in his 60s standing next to some wood project he was working on, clearly taken in that garage. What was weird was that they bothered to leave it. The only thing they really left besides the mirrors and the curtains um, was the picture of who Ella d- named Frank. So yes. Frank, Frank, some mirrors and the curtains was all that was left in the house. And the house had been empty for a while. They had shown it. It had been empty for about a year. They'd been trying to sell it. And yet nobody ever thought to take the picture of the random guy down. So, Or all the mirrors you know, sitting face down in the closet. I, I, I'm guessing we unleashed some ancient unspeakable evil when we started messing with those things. No wonder I have nightmares. One of those mirrors is hanging in my bedroom. That's true. One of those mirrors is hanging <laughs> in your bedroom. Now, for a while, we did actually have a particular type of haunting in this house that was pretty common. The haunting of the apparitions of medical supply salespeople who just wouldn't accept that this was no longer a place that would purchase whatever they were selling. Yes, people were very surprised. They'd show up thinking it was still a hospice. We got mail for Christmas cards, a lot of Christmas cards. Yes. The first year here, we got a lot of Christmas cards for old people who obviously were no longer here. And then in subsequent years, we continued to get a card for one particular grandma, Grandma Helen. And the family that was sending them didn't include their last name or a return address. And it was impossible to contact them and let them know that Grandma Helen wasn't here anymore. And as I recall, at one point, you actually got an Uber ride and your driver refused initially to believe this was your house. Yes. So we're chatting away. Oh, how long have you lived in Fresno? Blah, blah, blah. We pull up to the house and she's like this. And I said, yeah, she goes, this is your house. I said, yeah, she goes, no, this can't be. This is uh, my grandma lives here. And I was like, your your grandma, Helen. <laughs> and she said, yeah, she lives here. And I was like, no, you need to talk to your family. <laughs> She does not Look in your Christmas cards. <laughs> she doesn't live here anymore. At that point, it had been like four, four or five years since we'd moved in. So, yeah, which is, I mean, sad in its own way that. Yeah. Yeah. People just weren't communicating. Nobody had bothered. And she lived here close enough, but obviously wasn't a, a frequent visitor for poor Grandma Helen, who probably has passed on at this point. So. Quite possibly. And we should say, I know, Kaylee, you tend to talk about the place having been a hospice facility, and it certainly did serve that purpose, but it was also used as sort of a general retirement home for people with medical needs as well. So there were people who lived here long term. Including some staff. Yeah, including some staff. And frankly, when we were told, I forget the number of people, but when we were told how many people were here, it was... (laughs) How did they fit them all in? I can't imagine it was all that pleasant. Yeah. So there's probably some, there could potentially be some happy ghosts who who were like, oh, we I died, but I lived a good life. And there could be people who weren't thrilled that their family had stuck them here. I know that if you take out the part where like, people might have died here, 
Um, this place, uh, our house is actually quite nice and homey. Uh, it's a lot of room for three people. Yeah, so we don't mind sharing with the ghosts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's also really comfy and mm-hmm. cozy, but not tiny. Yeah. Right. So let's get things started. Ella, why don't you tell us about your experience? Okay, so I have two different things to talk about. All right. The first is um one that I'm not sure might have been a dream. I'm pretty sure it's not because everything is spot on with what I know happens in days. But it but it is possible that I had a dream because I know that um people have told me that they have had dreams about going to a grocery store and okay. just buying eggs. So Okay. So tell us about it. I was at my house. And mom um, had like heels on. She was going to some sort of event. She was going to an event. And so she said, bye. And then she closed the door. She left. Mm-hmm. Dad, you were in your office. I was in the bathroom. And I could hear mom walking up and down the hallway. At least at least once. How could you tell it was me? Because your heels made a very distinct noise. And also dad was in the office. Mm. Well, and he doesn't typically put on my high heels. Exactly. Yeah. His feet are too big. That you know of. Well, your feet are too big. You'd stretch them out. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But like you said, Ella, that could have been a dream, right? Or it could have been something. Mm -hmm. Could have been any number of things. But still, that is a bit strange to hear what sounds like high heels. It could have been mommy coming back inside because I forgot something and coming up and down the hall because I went to grab my phone off the nightstand or something. Wait, but but what was the weird part is that could have been an option except for one tiny detail. Mm-hmm. You close the door, then I didn't hear you open it again. Okay. What's your other experience? Well, actually, I might have two others. I know that another one is, this has happened a couple of times. I'll be, like, playing my video game or, like, watching something, listening to something on my computer. When I'll hear one of you saying, Ella, Ella, or, like, calling me or, like, just saying my name. And then I'll take off my headphones because I'm always listening to something with headphones. And I'll say, yeah. And I'll come over and say, what is it? And I'll say, I thought I thought I heard you calling me. This is weird. So that's very similar to something that happens to me. I would say at least once a week is that I am jolted out of a dead sleep because I hear you call out for me. And I go running off to your bedroom to check on you. And you're snoring quite, quite happily, deep, deep asleep. So... I definitely have that thing where I, I am I am a hundred percent sure that you have called out to me in the middle of the night. It happened even this last week while we were on vacation. I got up in the middle of the night in the Airbnb and went to go check on you because I could have sworn that you had yelled Mom from the other room. That's gonna be really weird when I go out to, when I go off to college or like <laughs> when I move out and like you suddenly hear me saying Mom in the middle of the night and you stand up and my room like there won't be anything in it. Yes, it'll be a completely empty room. It has happened on nights when you're at sleepovers. It is very trippy because for the first minute that I stand in there, you're not there. And that's very, very creepy. It actually reminds me of before you were born, I would feel like I was hearing the baby cry in the middle of the night and I would get up and I would go into the crib and there would be no baby in the crib and I'd start to freak out. And then I'd remember that I was still pregnant and you were clearly not crying and obviously had not been 
spirited away out of your crib in the middle of the night. So like a very advanced version of where did I put my car keys? Oh, they're in the ignition. <laughs> yes. Where's my baby? Oh, still inside me. <laughs> um, okay. I have one last thing. Uh-huh. All right. Sometimes when I go to bed and I'm pretty sure it's the pipes, but sometimes when I go to bed, I'll hear what sounds like moaning. And like sometimes my closet door was just, Creak slightly, even though it hasn't creaked for a while. It was just slightly creak, which is kind of creepy. I used to be scared that there was something living in my closet. Mm-hmm. Now, those two things I can actually explain. The moaning is almost certainly pipes because, again, our house, it's uh, at this point, it's about 63 to 65 years old. Some of the plumbing is original, and we know that some of the pipes make noise. Yeah. I can always tell when Ella's in her bathroom because I hear the creaking moaning sound of her turning the water on and off. But there's other pipes in the house that are like that. And if uh, I'm watering plants, I know if I'm standing in your bedroom, Ella, when the plants are being watered, I will hear the sound of them being watered. The closet is actually pretty easy to explain. The house setting, yeah. But it is still creepy to like be like three years old and then suddenly here your closet that has been closed for like the last week suddenly creak and groan it's mm-hmm. creepy yeah and it's not just the house settling though the um hinges actually need to be tightened up so that's something i guess i should do <laughs> well and also the house is rather long and until recently, the middle section, there was no way to open the, any air to go, you know, basically left to right. So the wind had to go back and forth down the long hallway. You could stand at one end of the hallway and go all the way through the hallway, then through a room, then through another room, then through another room to get to, to the other side of the house, the wall on the other side. And so that sometimes makes a bit of a wind tunnel. And what breaks that big longness up is a pocket door which in and of itself traps air in, in odd ways. So you can definitely, and it moves at night. Mm-hmm. So not just your closet door, but the air currents in this house, which, you know, they definitely affect weird sounds and they can make the acoustics very strange. You can call out and think you're talking to somebody who's in the room next to you and they're actually all the way down at the other end of the house and of course, vice versa. Oh yeah, that, that reminds me. Like sometimes I'll like walk and like I'll say, hey, Mom, where are you? And like, I'll hear you. And it sounds like you're in the library, but you're actually in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'll walk over to the library and you'll be like, Mom, where are you? And then I'll hear it. And like, it sounds like you're there. And it's like really, it can be a little freaky. Yeah. That's right. Our house has a library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has, we have over 3,000 books. We're a big book family. This is true. <laughs> Very true. But yeah, I, a lot of these stories are pretty easy to explain if you sit and think about them, but it doesn't change the fact that they feel pretty eerie when they're happening. Yeah. I think one of the creepiest things that has happened in this house is that after we moved in here, Ella was three. uh, She turned three right after, you know, the same week we moved in basically. And so she was good about sleeping through the night, but I would always worry that she was going to get up and wander around or, or what have you. And she was never the kind of kid who would come in and like, you know, bug us in the middle of the night. She she always has preferred to sleep in her own bed, but she would come in sometimes first thing in the morning and ask for a snack or ask this or tell me that she was awake and was going to turn her light on and read and, and all these things. So she's an early riser. So there, there was a period of time where I would wake up 
because I would hear her come in and she would be at the foot of the bed or right next to the bed. And I would lay there with my eyes closed and I would think, okay, if I pretend that I'm still asleep, she'll give up. She'll just go back to bed and then I can go back to sleep, hopefully. And so I'd lay there very quietly and I'd wait and I'd think, okay, has she gone back? I haven't heard her go back, but she must have gone back. And then sometimes I'd be like, no, she's just standing there. She's waiting for me. And then maybe this is me not being a good mom. I should open my eyes and and get up. And so I would sit up and she wouldn't be there. And I'd be like, well, that's weird. I could have sworn I'd go check on her. She'd be fast asleep. It'd be four o'clock in the morning. So this happened a lot, a lot. I would just, I would, she would come into our room and and I was like, maybe she's coming in and that's what waking me up. But then I'm falling back asleep and then she's going back to her room. I don't know what's going on here, but she definitely is coming into our room pretty much on the regular. And there was one night where I could have sworn that I saw her standing in a little silhouette of her standing at the foot of our bed, waiting for me to respond to her or, you know, get up and acknowledge her in some way. But she was not there at all and never actually has done any of that. It was just this little creepy feeling of some little creepy person coming in and watching us sleep. Yeah, that that I I know that feeling. Sometimes when I'm in the bathroom, I'll be brushing my teeth and like I'll look in the mirror and it feels like there's somebody standing right behind me watching me. It's really creepy. Yeah, I remember one night when you had mentioned that that happened, Kelia. I'd been having some trouble with insomnia. And I was awake during the period in time in question. And you asked me, how long was Ella in here? Ella didn't come in here at all. You probably just having a weird dream, Mom. Definitely. And then you would wake up. Just this reoccurring dream. But then, Matthew, you told me that one night when we weren't <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. So Kaylee and <laughs> both like to have a little bit of light on when they sleep. And it could be any number of things. What we usually do is we have the light in the hallway on and then the doors are cracked. So it just emits a little bit of light. It's not much. I'm fine with that, but I can also sleep when it's almost completely dark. So when and Kalia would go on trips, which from time to time, they'll go on a family trip uh, to visit Kalia's parents or to do something else. I would just turn off all the lights in the house when I went to bed. And that was fine. Kaylee had told me about this, though, a few days before they left on a trip. So they're gone for a week. I think you were up visiting your sister. I go to bed that night, turn off everything, get into bed, and I'm laying there. And I start thinking about this. And like, ah, yeah, crap. So I had to get up and turn on the hall light just because it was creeping me out. <laughs> Yeah, things definitely can get into your brain. Exactly. It's all part of my evil plan. (laughs) I see. (laughs) So when I can't sleep, usually if I'm having a lot of trouble sleeping, I won't stay in bed because my experience has been if I do that, then I don't sleep at all. And that doesn't help anybody. And especially sharing a bed with another person, I'm more likely to make noise or move around in a way that annoys my wife. And as she has the power to edit me and make me sound like an idiot, I have to keep her happy. (laughs) So something I learned when I was in college, I actually started doing this is if I go to another location and lay down until I feel drowsy, and sometimes I'll even fall asleep in that other location. And then I go back to bed 
then I can fall asleep and sleep through the night. It's not a problem. So if I'm having a hard time getting to sleep, sometimes I'll go out to the couch. I'll lay down on the couch for a little while, and then I'll be able to go back to bed and a little after that, fall asleep. It won't be a problem. One night I'm doing this. I'm lying on the couch and our couch is right next to our, our living room with the couch is right next to the kitchen. And I hear what sounds like somebody walking around in the kitchen. Now, if I'm not in bed and Kalia wakes up, frequently she'll come out of the bedroom and look for me. And if she sees that I'm lying on the couch, then sometimes she'll ask me to come back into bed and sometimes she'll just leave me alone. I figured that's all that was happening is that she was up, she was moving around. I was kind of drowsy. I'm lying on the couch. I'm hearing what sounds like somebody walking in the kitchen. I think it's Kalia. After a little while, I get up, I go to bed, fall asleep. The next morning we're talking and I said, Hey, how come you didn't uh, come in and get me last night when you were in the kitchen? And she just said, I didn't go out to the kitchen last night. Our dreams can really mess with us, especially, you know, obviously there's the sleep paralysis, a thing I've had it my whole life, even before I knew what to call it. But are those waking dreams or those dreams when you're you're sure that you have heard something or you need to go do something. And there's this thing and I, there's probably some technical word that, you know, you know, that's better than just sleepwalking. But when you do an activity and then you wake up while doing it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, mm -hmm. and, and I'm talking, there's like a couple levels of it when I used to have to get up really, really early and I was on such a routine, I could get up and get moving. And I would realize at some point it's whatever time it is, I'm already at the bus stop. I have no actual memory of my alarm going off, getting out of bed, brushing my teeth, putting on clothes, grabbing my lunch, walking three blocks, here I am. My day starts here. And I, did I sleepwalk here? Did I do all of that on autopilot? I just have no memory. But we also have the times where we're, you know, we, we are, uh, we're waking up while doing a thing. So I, there's been a lot of times where I have woken up as I'm running into Ella's bedroom to check on her, or I've woken up in the kitchen frantic because the hamster's dead because I realized I hadn't fed it in a week. And then as I'm standing there in the middle of the kitchen, like having this panic attack that Ella's going to be so sad that I killed her hamster, I realized we don't even have a hamster. She's never had a hamster, you know, but like that motivated that fear got me all the way into the kitchen and rummaging through a drawer trying to find hamster food for a non-existent, you know, pet. So I, it is it is not surprising that people have these nighttime things where they're sure that there are ghosts or spirits or something communicating with them well you know there's a uh, folklorist who if i was in the other room i'd be able to tell you his name because i've got this book on the shelf but uh he came up with this idea of what he calls core experiences and core experiences are those things that occur to most people or occur within most populations and that are hard to explain if you don't have a fairly advanced knowledge of some subject, but are perfectly natural. And he brings up for him, sleep paralysis is one of the common ones he brings up. People have these weird experiences that if you don't know much about sleep physiology, you know, a ghost or demon might actually seem like the most plausible explanation. But if you understand sleep physiology, well, then, you know, it's actually a perfectly natural thing that happens if an unpleasant one. And yeah, there's a lot of other very natural things that can lead to people 
believing that they've had an experience with something unexplainable simply because they don't know the explanation and it seems initially implausible to them that anybody would know the explanation. Okay, so should we let go? So because I think she needs to go take a shower and I think we had a couple other things we were going to talk about for this episode. Yeah, sounds good. Just put your headphone down, kiddo, and bye. Bye. This isn't the first place that I've lived that had kind of a creepy story. Do we want to talk about other places we've lived that had things or did you have anything else for here? No, I mean, I think that we could very well move on to other stuff. So years ago, I lived in an apartment with my then husband, my first husband, my prior husband. <laughs> this is a case where the sequels are better. <laughs> um. Anyway, we lived in an apartment in a, in a complex with a fairly normal floor plan. And so there was the master bedroom and it had a bathroom and then there was another bedroom and then there was another bathroom. And that bathroom was supposed to be the cat's bathroom we had a couple of cats and we put their cat box in there and we thought okay so this is their their bathroom and then we'll keep our bathroom for us but the cats really didn't like this bathroom they would stand in front of the door they would cry they would make noise and uh i kind of didn't really like that bathroom either i would hold it if if our bathroom was occupied and then and, you know because i just i don't know i never gave it much thought but i just that bathroom wasn't that great and and I thought, well, maybe it's because the cat box is in there. The cats would use it occasionally, but they 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 sometimes refuse to. But you know, it was a nice enough bathroom. It had it was decorated, it was clean, you know. But I just I, I don't know. And then I realized that people would come over to visit, and nobody wanted to use that bathroom either. Like nobody wanted to use that bathroom. People would would go in, and then they would promptly come right back out. And I thought, okay, well, this is weird. This is like a strange bathroom. We we're all very on edge. You'd go in there and you would just not feel great. Well, I ended up moving to a different apartment in that same complex and it had the exact same floor plan. And I was still in the master bedroom. And I and my friend had that uh, the other bedroom in this apartment and had that as his bathroom. And I remember asking him once, like, is that bathroom weird? You know, do, would you rather have the master bedroom with the master bath? Because, you know, that bathroom over there is, is all wonky. And he was like, what are you talking about? My bathroom's fine. I walked in. It was totally fine. It was a totally normal bathroom. There was nothing weird about it at all. Same floor plan. Very similar decoration styles because let's be honest, we all shopped at Target. Like, I mean, okay, go back to the original floor plan to feed the cats and check in on the on the husband. And no, this is uh, this bathroom is still hella wonky. And I think we ended up figuring out that there was... I don't remember how we, we got told. I think we ended up talking to a maintenance person or somebody, but they they told us that there was one of the lights fixtures was loose. And so there was this rattling, like this vibration sound happening up in the lights that was so high pitched and, and of such a frequency you, that humans couldn't hear it, but we could sense it and animals could definitely be aware of it. And so that was why you'd be on edge if you went into this bathroom because th th there was a frequency that just would put you on edge and you, but you wouldn't know that you just walk in and you just feel highly uncomfortable in a room. Hmm. So telling the story, I might not actually be my story. That might be somebody else's story that I've co-opted because it's a good story, but it is a good story <laughs> about a bathroom that, you know, just a, a room with a, 
with just a slightly weird resonance that just makes you feel on edge. And you could very easily be like, that's where the spirits hang out. Or, you know, that's where they, you know, there's oogly booglies in there. But no, it's really just a, a some kind of a loose wire. Well, it kind of gets back to that matter of, um, you know, core experiences. There are places that may make you uncomfortable for reasons that once you know them are totally mundane. But if you don't know that reason, all you know is when you go in there, you feel really uncomfortable. And that could build up into, you know, stories of something supernatural very easily. You know, I have a good example of what, for lack of a better word, you might call psychological priming. Years ago, I was on a project out in the Mojave Desert. And for a variety of reasons, I had to go and look inside these old decaying cottages for indications of the year they were built. It basically had to do with a historic preservation project that I was on. The cottages were old. They were falling apart. They looked kind of creepy. And it was getting towards sunset when I got to them. So I remember trying to go in and look at them. Well, not trying. I did go in. But the entire time I was in that area, and especially when I went into one of the cottages, I just had like this image in my head of like this for lack of a better way of putting it, like an old Appalachian woman who was just glaring with evil intent at me every time I walked into one of them. And best guess, probably it was just one of those things where they looked like the sort of place that should be haunted. So, you know, in my brain, I'd come up with this Appalachian witch who was going to hang out in the Mojave Desert for some unexplained reason and glare at people who walked into cottages that she never lived in. Yeah. <laughs> I had a woman who self-identified as a witch tell me that I was evil once randomly on a city bus, but I'm not sure if that's a relevant story. Well, is it because you cursed her? No, I was just sitting there and she walked, this woman walked up to me and she, her skin was odd. I can't quite describe it. And her eyes were very, they kind of vaguely look like embers, you know, like, 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 like charcoal and a barbecue or something. Anyways, she said, you know, I see what's in your heart and you are evil. And then she walked to the back of the bus and the door, it was nighttime, it was raining and the doors opened, even though the bus was still moving and she got off the bus and then the doors closed and like nobody else batted an eye or anything. And I was like, oh my God, did I just hallucinate this whole like interaction? But because the bus doors shouldn't open if the bus is moving, but I swear to God, those bus doors open and that woman just troll a lot of ass right off the bus like it was no big whooping deal where were you living at the crap out of me that was in santa cruz oh well yeah was it in santa cruz no it might have been in san jose i'm trying to remember it was either san jose or santa it was nighttime and i know i wrote about it on my blog so i it could have been in either place actually but yeah no man it it freaked me out oh and you know she's like you know i see what's in your heart you're evil i know because i'm a witch and then off she went and i was like oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah, on the other hand, well, there you go. <laughs> maybe you should get onto buses here in Fresno and say that to people. Just oh, there you see go. what happens. No, there's already enough weird ass <laughs> bus situations going on on Fresno. One of the first times I got on a bus on Fresno, some guy had a duffel bag full of puppies and then they all got out. Do you remember that? And they were yes. like running all around <laughs> the bus. And, and he was like, don't let the driver see. He'll kick me off. So everybody was like trying to like quietly and non-suspiciously gather puppies and put them back into this bag. It's I don't even know duffel bag full of puppies 
Yeah. I don't have anything nearly as dramatic as that. But I know when I lived in Santa Barbara, there's a place I used to like to go. It was a nature preserve. And I'd go there at night and walk on the trails. It was surrounded by eucalyptus trees. And the irony of a California nature preserve being surrounded by eucalyptus trees is kind of funny to me. But it was a windy night. And I remember that the wind would start kicking up and I was sure I was hearing a baby crying coming out from near the beach. So I'd walk out towards where it sounded like it was coming from and the wind would die down and I wouldn't hear it anymore. And then it'd pick up again and I'd hear what sounded like a baby crying. I'd go walking towards it. It'd be a different direction this time. I'd get you know along the path the wind would die down. I wouldn't hear it anymore. And this went on for, I don't know, a while, maybe 45 minutes before I finally came to the conclusion that there probably was no baby and I left. Now, what was it? I think it was probably just the way that the wind through the trees sounded, but I'd be lying if I were to say that I didn't get a little creeped out by the moving baby crying, you know, on a windy night. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I've been asked before, have I ever had a weird experience that I couldn't explain? So this episode seemed to be a way for us to discuss some of those sorts of things in our own lives. Do you have any other ones that you wanted to mention? I don't know. Like, I know I've probably have other stories, but it's different when you're like on the spot. Like, yeah, you know, it's a little bit more free association works is you know, something's triggers a memory and you're like, oh, yeah. And then this one time. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, The one thing that I think is kind of interesting about this is neither you nor I tends to jump to the assumption that something that we can't explain is supernatural in nature. That is true. Yeah. We're, we're very comfortable saying, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's interesting because whether it be the bathroom in your old apartment or, you know, the baby crying sound on the beach or any of the other things we've talked about, a lot of people I know would say right off the bat, oh, well, that's that's got to be a ghost. How can you say that's not a ghost? And it's like, well, I mean, if you don't know what it is, by definition, you don't know what it is. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but I know that unless it's right in front of me, it can be possible for me to ignore things and, and to decompartmentalize and just be like, not decom and to compartmentalize and say, I don't know what that is, but it's not relevant right now. So I'm going to focus on something else over here and just ignore it until it goes away. At nighttime, you know, when there's weird noises and stuff, if I hear a noise and I don't know what it is, uh, you know, if I, I I'll I'll try to figure it out. But if I can't figure it out, I usually just accept that. Okay, well, that was a noise. I don't know. <laughs> Go, you know, unless it's like in the house or it's you know whatever. But um, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, just, I, I guess I'm willing to accept that I don't know everything, and that's okay as long as it's not directly affecting me in this exact moment. It's it's fine. Whatever. I don't. Whatever. When I see or hear something that seems weird and out of place and that I can't explain, I'm much more likely to actually go towards it and try to figure out what it is rather than ignore it. But, you know, in the end, that doesn't mean I'm going to have any luck figuring out what it is. Right. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've heard a weird noise and I've thought to myself, oh, that's the cat, you know, running down the hall. And then as I lay there, I realized, no, the cat is 
laying on me. So that can't be the cat. Okay, well, maybe it's Matt. No, Matthew's also right here. Maybe it's Ella. Nah, she doesn't usually get up. I guess I'll just, uh, I don't know. If if it's something bad, there's not much I can do about it. That ghost is here. And if it's not a ghost, then it's probably just the house. I, I don't know. Doesn't I, I, but I do that. have a baseball bat next to the bed and I have swung it up on my shoulders and gone looking for trouble a few times when there's been been noises. I remember one night there was a noise in the backyard. This is one of our old apartments. And I went out there with a broom, totally forgot to put my glasses on, got all the way into the backyard with the broom about to chase something away and realized I could see nothing. So that was that was a flawed plan completely strategic <laughs> error so then i had to like tap on the window and tell you to come out and like help me chase whatever it was and who knows but could have very easily gotten skunked or bit by something because i'm just out there waving a broom around yeah good times indeed but yeah i i think that it really a lot of these types of stories boil down to if you don't know what it is that doesn't mean it's a ghost it doesn't mean it's an alien it doesn't mean it's a demon it means you don't know what it is and maybe nobody would be able to tell what it is. Maybe somebody would. But regardless, in the moment, you don't know. And I think some people are comfortable saying that. I think we're definitely people who are comfortable saying that. But other people aren't. And there's a tendency for people who aren't to find either very mundane or maybe exotic explanations, but something they can label it as and say, well, now I've solved it. It's a ghost or if you're joe nickel it's an owl you know <laughs> well there you go that is the experiences of the ghost anthropology family i do occasionally get asked have i had any weird or unexplainable experiences and what we've talked about in this episode are mine and my wife and my daughters if you've had a strange experience <laughs> or know of a story that should get more of a wider audience, email the ghost at ghostthropologygmail.com. <laughs> Sorry. I stopped listening when I hit, hit that point in your podcast always. Shouldn't say that, though. I think you and I should say spooky this time. All right. Three, two, one. Spooky. spooky. If you have a weird tale, have had a strange experience of your own, or know of a bit of local lore that should get a wider audience, please feel free to contact me at ghostthropology at gmail.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail. You can find more at kmmamedia.com. Click on the Ghostthropology link and you can find episodes, transcripts, sources, and a link to support us through Patreon. Spooky!